This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Things all here on this Wednesday night. Welcome into Seattle Sports Tonight. I'm Curtis Rogers with Seahawks insider Stacey Rost and the quarterback Jake Heaps. We're never all here. I know. It's been so long since all three of us got together. All three of our names are on, on the show intro, but very rarely it feels like we're all three here. Out of order, though. Yeah. What, you think you should be first? I'm just saying, like, I feel like mine, it just rolls off the tongue. Like, Stacy, Jake, and Curtis. <laughs> I mean, that's, don't you think? Uh, we can put it to the Coors Light text line, 710 of course, of course, Kurt, Curtis doesn't think so because his name is first. Yeah, so. I know. Well, I he, mean, th- like, he thinks it's great. Yeah, know. I, I don't think there's anything that needs to be changed about the intro. I think it's perfect the way it is. Stacy and Jake and Curtis. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> an Oxford comma. Yeah, in the title. Well, it's like uh, Danny David Moore, where Jim thinks that. He represents the more of that, but really it's just like Danny Dave and more. Yeah, like, Danny Dave <laughs> and et cetera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I wow, I didn't know I was going to be, uh, I didn't know I was going to be hit like a ton of bricks right off the right off the bat. Well, I'm just saying maybe if you, uh, you would be here. Wow. And you're leaving wow. us in July. For like a couple days. I'll be back. Well, it was your fault for getting food poisoning, wasn't it? This is my, this is. This is ha- your punishment. Yeah. For like just dying through Stacey hell. is known to hold a grudge. Yeah, so I'll say. It'll take a while to get over this, but I promise you, Curtis, that she will at some point. Eventually. Thank goodness. Not right now. Yeah, she's... You don't want to mess with her because you're going you're gonna to I just get real it. cranky. I'm hungry. I've had half of a protein bar. And it's late at night, too. What are we talking about today? Well, let's get into what we're talking about. Let's get on to tonight's timeline. What is on tonight's timeline? Well, the Washington Huskies, they received a commitment from 2024 star wide receiver Jalen McMillan. Interesting to see the Huskies over the last couple recruiting classes put an emphasis on wide receiver, put an emphasis on skill position guys on the offensive side of the ball after maybe not emphasizing that a whole lot over the last couple of seasons. Jake, you're big into college football recruiting. Uh, what do you know about Jalen McMillan, and what kind of commitment is this for the Huskies? Well, this is a massive get for the Huskies to get Jalen McMillan. There are uh, tons of receivers that have been overhyped, overprofiled before, but Jalen McMillan is a guy that there is a consensus about him that he might not be the number one prospect, but he is going to be one of the for sure playmakers out of this class. And one of the interesting nuggets about this is, yes, people are giving a lot of credit to Junior Adams, and rightfully so, in terms of being the new receiver coach and the attitude and uh, the new recruiting process that he's gone about. But also Jalen McMillan had the chance to catch passes from Sam Heward uh, during this offseason from a seven-on-seven perspective. And so when you talk about the future and you talk about Jalen McMillan looking not only at a great program, a great receiver coach, but knowing that he's going to have a great quarterback, a great stable of quarterbacks at the University of Washington for years to come, I think it makes it that much easier to make that kind of commitment. Do you want to know what I think about it? What do you know about it, Stacey? I think that if he makes a great play, you start the McKillenum. Whoa. Ooh. Hashtag McKillenum. I like that. It Thank started you. right here. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle Sports at Night. McKillenum. <laughs> mm. 
That's you come here for that kind of analysis. You do. You really do. Uh, that's going to be this city's next like Legion of Boom. Just like McKillen. Yeah, McKillen him. Oof. I got chills, guys. I, I know. I know. It makes you excited. Oh man. Uh, also in sports today, Kevin Durant has officially declined his player option for the upcoming season. Thirty-one point five million dollars. He's saying, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna test the waters. Could either of you imagine? Turning down $31.5 million. Mm, I'm going to say no. I'm going to put that in the pool of hypothetical conversations I've had about, like, would you shave your head and eat spiders for a million dollars? And I think that there's just about. what? No. No. Why would you ever do that? Well, no, but I'm saying, like, we've had hypothetical conversations. Like, my my friend, my best friend, uh, hates it when men wear bracelets. And so I always say, like, okay, but would you rather do this? Or you have to date a man that wears bracelets, like, like bangles, the, like the ones that Johnny Depp wears. <laughs> yes, like like, the like leathery stacks ones. of bracelets. Ugh. So it's kind of like that. Would you rather? You can get thirty-five million dollars, uh, but you have to date a man with bracelets, and that's the hypothetical that she that we always get into. But uh, there's not much I can think of that I would that would be worth giving up thirty-five million dollars. Well, especially for Kevin Durant, this is a move that I mean is bold. He thinks that despite having his Achilles yeah. injury and going to be able to is going to have to sit out for the majority of the year next year, that he could still get a max contract deal elsewhere, uh, whether it's with the Warriors or it's with another team, and and that's kind of a, a big bet that you're taking on yourself. Mm-hmm. If it, but to me, it's also not surprising. I believe someone is going to do that with KD. He's worth that talent uh, and worth that risk, not just maybe for the upcoming year, but when you look long-term, it makes a ton of sense. But if I'm KD and he would have taken that contract, that option, then that would have told you that he was trying to play it safe at least for one more year before he tried to opt out and go into a max contract situation. You look at the teams that are kind of in the running for Kevin Durant right now, there are three teams that – aren't historically considered among the best in the NBA. You got the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, and probably the Los Angeles Clippers. And I feel like all three of those teams would be quite all right with him sitting out a year. Yeah, get him long-term. Yeah, and then have him come back in 2020 uh, and you run it back another time. But I think think the Warriors Warriors are okay with letting him go, especially with – how they saw they were just a couple wins away from an NBA title yeah. without him this last off, or this last season. So it's going to be an interesting uh, bit of free agency, which starts, I believe, on the 30th of June this season. It's normally July third or July 1st, but they moved it up a day. So uh, we're just a couple of days away from NBA free agency in full bloom. Who was the other player we were talking about that also declined? Kyrie Irving. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's going to be it's going a free to be a agent. big yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, very interesting free agent class. Kawhi Leonard in there too. Uh, some uh, I guess bittersweet news today. Longtime Sports Center and outside the lines anchor Bob Lee retiring after forty years. Uh, if Bob Lee ever talked about you, you knew you were in trouble because <laughs> he was their very he's their serious news guy. Yes, he was their Tom Brokaw. He was the guy who you know they bring in the somber music and here's Bob Lee talking about you. But uh, heck of a career. 40 years at ESPN. Holy that's cow. the very first year of their existence. So uh, tip of the cap to him. Absolutely. And when you talk about the crazy changes and the different changes that has happened across ESPN surviving over those 40 years, I mean, surviving all of that and being able to stay true to himself, I think is a tip of the cap to a legend in this industry 
when so many people are trying to go with the ebbs and flows and trying to keep themselves in with the cool crowd, um, Stacy. Uh, are you mad because I am in with the cool crowd and you're not? Maybe you should sell out a little bit more, Jake. It's called popularity. Oh. Learn about it. I'm willing to stick to my guns like my man Bob Lee over here. Uh, I think that's the part where you, you got to love seeing an icon like that and hopefully that over the next couple years that we're able to find the next generations of talents like him. Uh, and, and I would love to see ESPN kind of go back to the traditional sense of talking about sports and yeah. talking about the real issues at hand. And highlights. Exactly. Yeah. highlights shows. Bring them back, Oh, man. man. Yeah. Uh, some news that not particularly pertaining to Seattle, but it's NHL Seattle news, which can't get enough of anytime there's any kind of like whispers or anything i'm totally on with brent's theory about the color palette oh about it being salmon and light blue yes and the fact that he's like it'll be the sockeyes or it'll be the steelheads steelheads. please let it be the steelheads i think it'll be the sockeyes please let it be i buy the brent stecker theory uh but with an nhl team you got to have an ahl affiliate which is the triple a minor league of the nhl and there is a planned arena being built in Palm Springs, California, uh, that is being headed up by the OBG Group and Tim Lewicki. So it just kind of feels like that's, that's probably going to be where Seattle's AHL team will call home. Also, Boise has been in the mix, too. But, uh, I mean, if one of the Lewicki brothers is in charge of building an arena nearby while also building an arena here in Seattle. Right. I mean, one plus one usually equals two. Right. Usually. Like, yeah. Not always, usually. Though? Not always. <laughs> there are a couple of times where numbers can get a little It'll wild. It'll surprise you. Yeah, I think up. it's safe to say. And Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, in yeah. California and all that. So it, a lot of it makes sense. Yeah. That is what is on tonight's timeline here on Seattle Sports at Night. We got a big show for you here this next hour. Coming up in about 25 minutes or so in Big If True Will Mariners manager Scott Service survive the rebuild? Well, we had somebody on our airwaves this week that said it could be unlikely. That's coming up in big if true. But uh, up next, how much longer will the NCAA continue to fight a losing battle? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Make sure you're texting your questions into the Coors Light text line 710-710. We're going to do our best to answer all of those coming up in Ask Us Anything about 30 minutes from now here on Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Stacy Rost Woo! with you. Yeah. Just get Doesn't so Doesn't it sound hyped. good just to hear it? What? Just Stacey all three? Ross. <laughs> <laughs> You've said it so much that Jake has gotten sick. Right? You can hear I'm it in sorry. his voice. Like he's just you're like, sick oh, of me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my head is throbbing right now. Oh, we do what we can, Curtis. We do what we, we can. Do. Boy, the things we put up with with Stacy here on Seattle Sports at Night. You I'm guys all missed me yesterday. That's true. We did. We absolutely did. Uh, coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes from now, will Scott Service survive the Mariners' rebuild? We take a listen to what Jeff Passan had to say about that on Big If True. But right now, the NCAA has met its match in terms of the state of California. And what's going on there is 
I believe a bill has been introduced. Stacey, you've been on top of all of this mm-hmm. uh, about college athletes being able to make money off of their own likeness. Not money from the school, but like autographs and Yeah, and that's been and the most popular form of kind of attacking the NCAA's amateurism rules. It hasn't been a it hasn't been whether through this bill or through numerous other cases like the O'Bannon case, um, which was probably the most famous of the recent uh, kind of legal battles. One that got Jake a cool two hundred bucks. Oh, nice. yeah, <laughs> hey, two fifty. Hey. I would never shortchange a man. Like no, that. absolutely yeah. not. Do you know how many rounds of golf Such that is? Such a joke. Such I a don't. Joke. <laughs> I was, you still got it. I was ready to have it pay my rent check, have some <laughs> extra money in my That's pocket, worst. Yeah. open you, that thing up. Two fifty. What? Yeah. For my yeah. likeness on video games for four years. What? That's that might be worse than getting a bill for four dollars or something like that. A bill where you're like, <laughs> I'm not going to pay this. Um. Anyways, it it's a it's a, a bill that, like many of the others, has targeted the NCAA's rules banning players from making money from endorsements, uh, receiving money for, um, say, arrivals at places. Hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks to come to my kid's birthday party. Hey, I'll pay you 20 bucks for an autograph. Um, Currently, that will pit you in jeopardy of having your scholarship taken away. Um, It also keeps uh, student athletes from seeking out uh, representation for looking for an agent uh, while they're still a student. So uh, so this rule is called the Fair Pay to Play Act. It was already approved overwhelmingly. It's a bipartisan bill by the California Senate. Uh, it had a hearing yesterday. So it's still got a lot of kind of approval processes to go through um, before it kind of becomes anything that would be serious. But it would go into effect in 2023. And so Mark Emmert wrote a letter to the assembly that was going to be hearing about this bill. And basically... It wasn't a threat, but it was a warning, kind of saying like, hey, uh, you know, California schools, it's not really going to be fair for them in the national championships. So so they might be facing kind of a postseason ban um, if if these if this bill is passed, because all of a sudden we're working just on a different playing field. And so I think it's once again brought uh the conversation about amateurism to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And once again, in my opinion, Mark Emmert is kind of left on the losing side. I know that the public opinion is still that student athletes shouldn't receive a wage, but that's dramatically shifting as far as whether or not people believe that student athletes should be allowed to get money from a third party. Because I think that it makes people feel like, well, at least it's something you could regulate, right? Like if it was something that was already allowed, you wouldn't have like boosters Mm -hmm. sneaking money to students. You'd have the school knowing that student X has a has a ten thousand dollar deal with Nike, and uh, or that this student you know was paid this much to go to right you know whatever event. It, it's an interesting situation because when you look at it, what it does create though, I I think that it's for an athlete in this situation to not be able to capitalize on your likeness and have the school capitalize on your likeness and directly do so. Mm-hmm. I think is absolutely. Uh, a crime and a shame. And, yeah, it and is. that part of it to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What it does create, though, is it does create uh, an atmosphere where you are going to have the top athletes on your squad, mm-hmm. on your team, 
making way more money than you are going to have of your bottom. And so what you are going to create through that is a professionalism attitude, whereas the NCAA has stood by amateurism. And so I understand both sides of this argument. However, the interesting thing comes into play where California now is going to, by all accounts, looks to approve this law moving forward. And now it really forces the hand of the NCAA and Mark Emmert to say, okay, we're either going to adapt with this and we're going to change and we're going to open to this or we're going to put our foot down. And now you're going to have to band 20 plus schools, including USC and UCLA, Stanford and and Cal, out of the NCAA. And this is the part where it becomes interesting now from here. I've always thought this is why is the NCAA the greatest um, the greatest system or the best system for all of college athletics. I've been surprised that there hasn't, just like the NFL and the XFL and the AAF, there hasn't been another governing body that has wanting to, has been wanting to step up and say, hey, yeah, college athletics, we will do things, we will govern your your athletics, but we will do it under a different set of codes and circumstances. And if the NCAA follows through, which I don't think they will, there's no way that you could ban those 20 schools and those four schools in particular and survive. I don't think that that no. would be the case and that, that and would go down well. some of those are well. big money earners, too. A- absolutely. Oh, yeah. USC a- is still, even when they have down years, yeah. they're still a top 10 revenue-producing school in, in college football. Correct. Right. And you lose four teams from the Pac-12. What do you do? Who right. do you replace them with? You All can't of a sudden, just... there's no Pac-12 South. Correct. You, you just can't, you can't generate these teams out of thin air. So you're going to have to change, you're going to have to adjust, you're going to have to do something. And now you run into this situation again. They either change and adapt or you're going to find a situation where there is going to be another competing governing body Mm -hmm. that is going to accept those likeness rules and we'll see how many colleges go, go with that. Because I'll tell you what, from a recruiting standpoint, if USC, UCLA, and Stanford and Cal have that ability they're going to get a heck of a lot more recruits coming their way than versus the SEC. Honestly, would that not make college football a little more interesting if all of a sudden the Pac-12 had kind of leverage over Like, all of a sudden it's more interesting. Yeah, it would be a domino effect. You're it telling would. me that Alabama, the folks down in Tuscaloosa, are going to let anything happen like that and not change their philosophy? Right. If yeah. that law it's gets passed in California, if that law gets <laughs> passed in California, I guarantee you all the other states in the SEC – are going to change and approve those bills in a second. But that's exactly why it's not really about amateurism to me. Like, And this is why it's a losing battle to me for Mark Emmert, because it's not really about making sure that that athletes are student first. Like, if if it was to where California schools were allowed to pay money, Alabama wouldn't think, well, we want our kids to be students first. They'd be like, no, we want an even playing field. We absolutely want to be able to pay students. And that's why when the number one thing outside of they already have a scholarship, when it comes to arguments against uh, athletes, student athletes making money that I always hear is that schools are operating in the red. Well, they're operating in the red because it's one of the best ways they can make themselves competitive. Like Auburn was facing, this is from a Washington Post article, Auburn was facing a $17 million deficit from the year before and spent almost $14 million on an 11,000-foot jumbotron that you'd be able to see the light from, like, Alabama's campus. (laughs) This is a pettiness level that I respect, but also a spending habit that I can't respect. And it's something that just drives home that it's never really about... 
like that, amateurism. It's about remaining competitive because that's how you make money. And why wouldn't it be? Yeah, those, it's a league. Why wouldn't you want to be competitive? Those yes. kinds of things aren't just um, those aren't unique to just the top football schools in the country. When I was at Arizona, we had no business competing for any kind of Pac-12 football titles, and yet. They installed the second biggest jumbotron in America mm-hmm. behind the University of Texas because We're it's another a, recruiting tool yeah. to help get you to help your boosters get excited, to help your fans get excited, to help to be able to show players like you will be seen. I know you're worried about not having the platform you would in the Southeast, but if you come here, you can dominate this conference. And again, it's all part of recruiting. It's all part of finding ways to spend money. If you can't give it directly to the students, you're going to find a way to like wave the money in front of them and say, we have it. And how is it, how is it that much of a jump for Mark Emmert to get in front of this issue and say, you know what, we're going to adjust our amateurism rules. They're, they're decades and decades old. We're going to, we're going to now allow students to maybe they fill out some paperwork and they have to meet these guidelines to make money. But all of a sudden, maybe you cap it like tennis players can make up to $10,000 or something. Maybe you cap what they can make. But either way, get ahead of it because it's changing no matter what. I think it's interesting how this bill is gaining a lot of momentum in California. And like Jake pointed out, if it does pass, we're going to see it pass nationwide. On that aspect, I think the NCAA is realizing like this is going to be a losing battle if we do take it to court because then lawyers are going to point out just the total absurdity. Well, of the not NCAA. necessarily because this is where O'Bannon failed in the Supreme Court because it depends or not the Supreme Court in the appellate court because at a lower level, a judge said the same thing. Judge Claudia Wilkins at a lower level court in California said, oh, my God, you guys are a multi-billion dollar industry. The revenue, pure revenue, topped, topped seven or topped $1 billion last year, and athletes can't make any kind of money. So she said, well, athletes should be allowed to have like $5,000 in a trust they get when they graduate, and we're going to change some of these amateurism rules. That was her ruling. It got to the appellate court, and the lawyers there sided with the NCAA, essentially. And they said, or the judges there sided with the NCAA and said, you know what? Yeah, like amateurism is the core part of their product. And if that's what their product is, who are we to tell them you know, what kind of company they should be. So it could really go either way. I right. think that the I think that there was a poll, I think about like sixty percent of people in general, like just people, just the public, don't really have a big issue with students just, you know, kind of like making money. Um more people have an issue with schools paying students, but the majority of people don't care about students making money. And, and, but judges care about setting a precedent. Correct. And, and and you're looking at this and going, okay, you talked about schools being in the red. You talked about schools paying athletes. Well, now this is the best way, in, yeah. in theory, to get that done is you're having third-party members paying your athletes and it's not coming from the school's pocket. Um, so you're having donors, boosters, uh, people of that nature um, wanting your athlete to represent them you're paying for their likeness you're paying for their uh you know commercials or whatever they're they're doing for that particular company and there's ways to regulate that in in some aspects so it'll be it'll be really interesting moving forward but again i come back to this thought process of every athletic department has submitted themselves to the ncaa they allow themselves to be ruled by the ncaa there is nothing holding there's the, no competition. There's nothing holding these colleges back other than subjectively submitting themselves to yes, if you rule this, we will follow through on your threat on the way that you want to handle this situation. There is nothing out there that's that is competing with that. And I believe that if the NCA wants to hold their foot down, 
this would be the perfect, the absolute perfect opportunity for another governing body to step forward because I believe that would be the domino effect to remove the NCAA and go with somebody else. It'd be a huge overchange and 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 change of direction, but it might be the best thing moving forward because the NCAA just seems purely stuck in their ways and want to continually capitalize on the billion-dollar revenue that they have, and they don't want to let go of it in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Coming up next, Mariners, they are fully within a retooling, rebuilding effort. So will Scott Service be here to see it through? We answer that question in Big If True next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jay Keeps, Seattle Sportsnet on 710 ESPN Seattle. I noticed that you said Stacey Ross second that time. I, yeah. <laughs> Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Ross on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes from now, we need your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710-710. That's how we wrap up every single edition of Seattle Sports Night with Ask Us Anything. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here. Jake Eves, he had to go tuck Jackson in for he bed. He hates us. Yeah. He was like, I, I can't do it. I'm out of here. That last segment. Yeah. That last segment, Jake, uh, just was like, all right, I've had it with you guys. Look, we get it, Jake. You like your family more than us. It's, I mean, surprising, but yeah, fine. Wow. Like, uh, we'll, we will just accept it. Uh, we love you unconditionally. Right. What What about your family, Jake? Your wife and Do kids? they love you unconditionally? Yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm so sure. <laughs> I like that we've continued. Yeah, it, it, when Jake's not here, we just bash on him, even though he is the least deserving of bashing of any of us. But that's why it's fun to bash it on is, him. It is. It's, let's get into some Scott Service talk. Yeah, let's let's uh, get into this. So Jeff Passan of ESPN.com, he's their ESPN baseball insider. He's got all the scoops. He joins Brock and Salk every single week, and he joined them on Tuesday morning and uh, talked a lot about the retooling, the rebuilding, the step-back season that the Mariners are undergoing. And we talked a lot about the Mariners' managerial situation with Scott Service and whether or not he was going to last through this rebuild. And that brings us to tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did he say that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True... Jeff Passan talking Scott Service and the Mariners now. This is year four of Scott Service and Jerry Depoto. It feels Time like they flies. just got here. It does. Yeah. Time flies when you're going through a retool. Not really. Not even close. But Scott Service. I mean, it's crawling right now. Yeah, it is. Like we are limping to the All Star break, which is what, like a week and around a half the corner. Away? Yeah. 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 Uh, so Scott Service, year four. Mariners in this retool, and Passon was asked about Scott Service's job security. Here's what he had to say. When you're in job-saving mode, and and I don't think Jerry DePoto, after getting his extension last year, has to fret for his job. I will say Scott Service does, though. I, you know, I think at the end of this year, some heads are going to have to roll, and the managers is the, the likeliest. Uh, to to really have a big impact. 
it's just weird that they wouldn't be paired together, having assumed that that whatever problems there are that Scott is just unable to manage wouldn't also be a fault of the front office. I'm just surprised at the idea that Jerry DePoto would be staying and Scott Service would be leaving. And I understand that when there's a tumultuous year or when there's a really disappointing year, um, you know, presidents or uh, people, you know, in the front office, people with power want to see changes, right? The Seahawks yeah. uh, missed the playoffs by a game and Daryl Bevel was let go. Uh, Tom Cable was let go. Chris Richard, Chris let Richard go. was let go. And, and that was just the first season in a couple years that they hadn't got 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't think that was just Pete Carroll saying, I want this to happen. I think it's just kind of what happens when organizations are like, okay, we need to turn it around. But if something were to happen with the Seahawks where they got three wins for two or three seasons in a row, I would expect, I wouldn't think it would be just Carroll. I expect that a GM and the a coach are changes. typically tied together. Yeah. I, I don't think, think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying it's surprising to me. In baseball, general managers tend to have longer leashes than managers. Managers are essentially, nowadays, they're just an extension of the GM. Mm-hmm. And if that GM isn't seeing the results that he wants out on the field, he's probably going to make a move at manager. Now, who's to say that the Mariners right now are, are their on-field product is something that Jerry DePoto doesn't want. I think this is kind of what he wants. I mean, I think he's had enough time to where the the guys that they have coming down the pipeline are Jerry DePoto's decisions. Yes. They're his prospects. They are. And but the thing is in baseball, I think the the two most pertinent rebuilds on everybody's mind over the last couple of years, the Astros and Cubs. Right. Two teams that ended up winning a World Series and tore it down to the studs and, and had great drafts. Both of those teams during their teardown and rebuild made managerial switches. The Cubs originally, Theo Epstein hired Mike Quaid to be their manager. They fired him, got Joe Madden instead, who many people still consider to be the best manager in baseball. And then the Astros, they had Bo Porter as their manager at the very beginning. They fired him, brought in A.J. Hinch, who was very similar to Scott Service in that he had only worked in scouting and in front offices. Then he gets moved down to field manager, and the Astros take off. And I think a lot of it also has to do with the amount of talent both those mm-hmm. teams Right, like how use. much of that is a, a switch at manager and how much of that is just that there's now been enough time for the guys that you had uh, kind of in the waiting yeah. to – like the Astros don't, the, the Astros don't win a World Series without Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, or you know Dallas Keuchel, right. any of these guys. And the Cubs don't win one without Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or Anthony Rizzo. So is it the manager? That's the or thing with baseball players? is that the manager itself is just like I don't know how important managing is in baseball anymore compared to thirty years ago when it was it was crucial. Whereas nowadays the manager is kind of just a, a an extra voice that the GM has for his team. So if you're Scott Service, how are you not just livid that you came into a situation where it was just bad news bears and then there was so much change that you didn't have a shot to see it come to fruition? I, I right? Think, Doesn't it just seem like it's like a catch Like no matter what, he kind of loses? Kind of. I think Scott Service, though, 
was brought in to manage a team that was going to make a run at the postseason. Okay. When, because he, Cano, Cruz, Seeger, Felix, they were still good back when Service was originally hired. And I don't know if Service was brought in to be the guy to manage this thing through mm-hmm. a complete teardown. I think he's just kind of been put into this position of saying, like, all right, like, I got to go with what my front office is telling me. It may not be something that I agree with, but, uh, you know, you it's the, it's the hand he's been dealt. Yeah. And it's the hand he's going to have to work with because what else is he going to do? There's only 29 other managerial jobs in the world at this level. You can't just say, uh, I, I'm going to go quit. I'm going to go interview with uh, right. Baltimore over there because, right. uh, you know, they've got a great benefits package. And I think uh, what I always wonder with uh, – managerial changes, head coaching changes is what happens if you get a guy that this is the perspective I have just working uh, in media that I think Pete Carroll can be, um, you know, a little sarcastic, a little uh, Carroll-esque sometimes with Mm -hmm. the way that he chooses to respond to questions, but overall is pretty pleasant and overall is pretty patient. And I think that as a reporter, so I've only ever covered a Pete Carroll-led Seahawks team when Adam Gase came to New York, I remember hmm. thinking, like, that would be my nightmare. My nightmare would be going into a press conference and asking a question and having him just be a total jerk about it. Yeah. When you're like, I'm just trying to do my job, man. So I always think whenever there's... Uh, like the uh, the Mets with totally. the manager yeah, and Jason so I always Vargas think whenever, trying to fight like, somebody. You might not always strike gold. You might not always get someone that comes in and it's just the guy you've been waiting for. You might get someone that then throws you a curveball no pun intended, to Mm. just completely like ruins your product or just, you know, sets you back or creates an awful relationship with the media. And Scott Service, whatever you say about him, I think has a pretty good relationship with reporters. Yeah, there there's none that I can think of that have any kind of beef with him. And I don't think he has any kind of beef with any of them. No. And I think that I think that managers that do that, not all of them are successful, but it does make uh, covering a team figuring out what's going on, it does make it a little easier than a guy that is incredibly defensive and kind of toxic and uptight and tells you nothing. And those are also usually the coaches that get themselves in trouble by not reporting injuries, by, you know, doing whatever else. Or usually they're bad coaches and player they're not player-friendly coaches. And so it, it it is something I think every time I hear, well, this could happen. And I also, like, if this is, you know, the the path that Jeff Passan is taking, then it, how do you see service making it through at all? Because it's not like this Mariners team is going to turn things around. This is this is the team they're going to end up with at the end of the year. Nothing's changing. Yeah. And so is there a circumstance where he or is there a situation where he makes it through? Like, I I mean, to me, like, it's going to be pretty bad if you're a Mariners fan. Yeah. The next I think 2020 is going to there's going to be a lot more question marks than we've got right now. Well, because all of a sudden you're going to be facing a season where Jerry Depoto said, "Oh no, yeah, 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 2020 this will be where, on the up." Yeah, this is where it turns around. Which I've said this before: them putting a time frame on when they're going to be competitive again was the worst thing that they could. It's have the worst thing you can do. All of a sudden, like Jerry Depoto is like it, like driving you somewhere, and you're like, "This says we should have been there ten minutes ago. Maybe your navigation should have never told you when you were going to be there." Because now I'm wondering if you're taking me somewhere to murder me. It's like <laughs> when you're when you're like 18 years old, you've just graduated high school, and you say, 
Man, when I'm 25, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be married. Yeah, I'm gonna be living in a house. I'm gonna be, you know, making six figures. And then it's you're 25 and you're living in your parents' basement. Uh-huh. And even though 25, you're a tiny child. You're a baby at 25, yeah. but you think I haven't made it. I exactly. am a failure because you don't you, realize that like those were pretty lofty goals to begin yeah. with, and you probably shouldn't have vocalized them. Yeah, probably should have just kept that to yourself and said, you know, if I if I reach this, that'll be nice, but. I'm just here for the journey, here so for the ride. Jerry DePoto needs to lower the bar. Yeah, Jerry DePoto needs to uh, work on himself. You know, spend a year uh, on your just, parents' tr- house. Yeah, just trying to find himself, trying to find this team, and then back at it again next year. Yeah, ready I'd... to go. 2020. That's that's my year, Stacy. 2020. That's when I. That's when I'm going for it. That's my year. Jerry DePoto is anyone being like, I'm going to lose 15 pounds this year. Yeah. And then so, okay. it gets to like October, and you're like, "Whoa, yeah, wow, dude, hey, yo, yeah. I uh, need to get that gym membership because I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I was pretty. Everything was fun on December 31st. Life was so full of promise when go I go big that or resolution. go home. More like go big and go home. Oh, oh, wait, I got a little air horn app that I can use now for jokes. Okay, more like what, Curtis? More like. Or go big or go home. More like go big and go home. There we go. Thank that you. Was, that was good. Yeah, I tried. Nice touch. I nice got it touch. from Lydia Cruz. Nice. That's what friends are for. I think so. Share air horn apps with. Coming up next, <laughs> it's time for your text questions. I have good ones already. As you can ask us anything late at night. Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to Seattle Sports at Night on the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Make sure you're downloading the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your Seattle Sports at Night fix. Curtis Rogers and Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here with you for just a few more moments on this Wednesday night. We'll be back with you tomorrow live uh, following Danny David Moore. That's, uh, well, I mean, unless the Mariners game goes like 45 innings, then we'll follow the postgame show, I'm guessing. But uh, that'll be tomorrow night. But uh, right now, as we do with each and every show, we wrap it up with your text question to the Coors Light text line 710 710 Stacy, what are you seeing out there? Curtis. Stacy. What's something that you will never understand? Something I will never You'll understand. You'll never understand. There's a lot of things I'll never understand. Well, what's one of them? Uh, man, one thing I will never get. Mine would be how the Mariners have just struggled for almost two decades well, now. Well, cuz it's kind of like a uh a perfect web of of bad luck and bad timing and near misses that have come together. It's fascinating. Here's one thing I'll never understand. Coffee culture. What do you mean coffee culture? Where like people are like, oh, what kind of beanery did you get this from? Or like, what kind of roast is this? Or like, oh, let me, let me, yeah, I'll never get coffee culture. I'll never get like car culture either where people are just I'll never get car culture. Yeah. But it's because I can't afford nice cars. Yeah. So I don't care. But like coffee culture. See, I don't drink coffee. It's not like for any particular reason other than I don't like the taste of it. What? 
Uh, and so like, not I don't even like a latte and I don't, I don't like people who like, Oh, like you've never had good coffee. It's like, no, oh, I'm just, that's lame. I've, I, I'm sure I have, and I don't like it. So just stop with that. But like, I will never understand coffee culture at well, all. I don't, uh, I don't like the reply of, well, you've never had this. Yeah. Cause usually it's like, imagine if it was something awful, how ridiculous that would sound. Yeah. Like, oh, you've never eaten nails? Well, you've never had good nails. Mm, yeah. Those are good. Uh, Curtis, the other day I saw a photo, I retweeted it, of uh, this thing called ballooning spiders mm. that come down and they they have their webs everywhere. And it'll be Whoa. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of spiders all over Australia. And I said, this would be my nightmare. Dude, Australia has the gnarliest wildlife yes. of all time. What would be your nightmare? My nightmare, like just nightmare animal or just nightmare? nightmare. Your ni- my nightmare situation would be I cannot walk anywhere without walking through not just a spider web, without walking through what looks like snow and it's spider webs with spiders in them. And they're small and they'll get in your hair and in your soul. My nightmare, not a fan of like giant open water. Oh, so yours would be like if you were like on... dropped off a side of a cliff into the ocean or something. Yeah, I wouldn't. Not a fan of that. Or what about like um like if you were watching a movie like Life of Pi where he's just in a boat <laughs> stranded in the ocean, but it's a tiny boat. Yeah, that would be your nightmare. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty scary. Um, what are the unspoken rules of radio? Unspoken rules of radio. What are the unspoken rules of your job? Let's frame of it my way. job. Uh. There are certain seats in the sports pit that people don't want you to sit in because they've kind of like designated it as their spot, even though it's a communal workspace. No, it's not. My desk is my desk. You see, exactly. <laughs> um, unspoken rules. Everybody has like their, their tasks that they do yeah. throughout the day. Like, you know, people splice up interviews or uploading audio mm-hmm. to the podcast page so that you can, can listen to it at your leisure. Like, we each have our roles. And, you know, they're just assumed. Like, you just do right. it. Like, you don't even have to remind people to do it. And then when somebody doesn't, you know, do that. It's noticeable. It's, yeah, it's like, what the heck? Well, because it's kind of like an office culture. Like, unspoken rules of office culture are refill something if you're the last to drink. If you're the last to drink coffee, mm-hmm. refill it. Don't microwave or eat really gross-smelling food. Yeah. Like, those are things you can do in your home. But it's like, no one ever tells you you can't do that. It's just you're, like, shamed yeah. once you do it. Uh, another unspoken rule is just laugh along and smile along with Brock and Salk after they finish oh their show to tell, and, and just tell them how amazing it's they are. so great. Yeah. Oh, you guys have changed radio Wonderful. again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think of um, – I think in sports in particular, probably – well, there's so many unspoken rules with sports that you never learn and you're just made to feel like you better know them. Mm-hmm. But one that I think people, um, maybe the most notable one that's like the most universal is that you never uh, make noise in a press box. Yeah. So it's because it's like being in an office and you're working and uh, and sometimes I forget. So I'll be talking or I'll, like I just get unintentionally loud and then there'll be like a break in the game or something where I've, all of a sudden it's quiet. Yeah, like all of a sudden it'll be like say that it's a field goal attempt and it's late in the game and everyone's kind of nervous and it just gets quiet. And all of a sudden you're like, so anyways, then I told her and you're mortified. 
Yeah, press box culture is it's, is different. I think a lot of people will be surprised at like how yeah how like people carry themselves in those kinds of situations because like it's very serious up in it the press is. box, regardless of sport. Like there isn't a well, sport it helps wh- to know someone there because yeah. I feel like sometimes writers not not any of the writers that I know, but um, you know, maybe, I think it may be in different cities. People just get a little. Uh, Big for their britches, a little too big for their britches. Yeah, I think if you, I love everyone here, but yeah, I think if like you and I went to a press box in like New York City right. or Chicago, you'd have or... people that were thinking like, "I made it. I'm very important, and yeah. move out of my way." And exactly. you're like, "Bro, we're all in the same room." That's the thing. Yeah. You can never look down on someone if you guys are in the same place. Mm. You ended up in yes. the same place. Do I have time for one more question? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Um, I want you to choose one of these two. All right. Okay. Number one, what's something you will never eat again and why? And number two, uh, if you are the last person alive on earth, what's the first thing you plan on doing? Uh, something I n- I'll never eat again. Uh, well, there's, there was a Mexican restaurant up the street that Don't say put that. me down for a couple of weeks <laughs> Wait, was recently. Wait, that you were recently saying? Yeah. That was that? Yeah, that was oh, that. no, Curtis. Uh, so I'm not, I've almost gone I'm not going to name names, but if you, if you know where our studio is, oh, no. you just go up the street, you'll know the answer. But, uh, and what was the second question? If you, uh, were the last person alive on the planet, what's the first thing you would do? Last person alive on the planet. So you already know. You already know you're Man. the last person, so it's not like I'm calling my mom. You're it's you. You're it. Uh my first thought I would try to get as much food out of the store as possible. Yes, my first thought was that I would go, go to the bad. mall. Yeah. Yeah, and start looting everywhere. Right. And then uh, I realized like why do I need all these yeah, things? I have, can't impress anyone. You have no one to flaunt your wealth to. Dude, you go I'll tell you what you do. If you're the last person alive on earth, you go to the nicest car dealership you can find and drive off the lot with the nicest car you could find and then just go as fast as you can down the freeway. Just with no repercussions. No repercussions. No cars anywhere. But, like, I feel like food would have to be your first thing you go for. Yes. Because it's going to go bad, and once it goes bad, then you have no food left. And I would also stop caring. Like, no longer would I be like, oh, I should probably make sure I'm healthy. Like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I'm alone now, so which Game means I'm having pizza pounds. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, exactly. That is tonight's Seattle Sports at Night. We'll be back with you tomorrow for the quarterback, Jake Heaps, and our Seahawks insider, Stacey Ross. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.